Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton, and I am so glad you're here today. I have to tell you that I might sound like I'm on speed today, and this episode might seem like I'm all over the place. I'm not on speed. I feel like I am. And you're right. I am all over the place with this episode. I did try to organize my thoughts, but I failed. So, of course, what did I do? I pressed record. Works for me. So the reason that I feel like I'm on speed, but I'm not, is that after my nightmare day a few days ago of giving blood, if you haven't read that story on my daily recap over on the blog at primalpotential.com, you definitely want to read that one. It's hysterical and horrifying and involves me projectile vomiting all over a library wall in front of a room of people. So I haven't really felt well since then, and I didn't feel well enough to drink coffee for two days. That has never happened to me. Since I started drinking coffee years ago, I have never, not once, gone a day without coffee, no matter what. And I just went two days without coffee, but that's not why I feel like I'm on speed. It brings us to today, where I am two large Americanos into the day. Probably not the best way to reintroduce coffee after two days without it, because, yeah, I feel like I'm on speed, so let's go. (laughs) All right, we're going to get right to the heart of today's topic, which is fat, dietary fat. The fat we eat, what's best to avoid or minimize and why. So what fats do we want to avoid and why? I've talked a lot about good fats on the podcast and about why we don't need to fear saturated fats, whether that's from whole food sources like avocado, uh, but also how we can't eat unlimited quantities of these fats when we're talking about, you know, salmon, coconut oil, bacon. It's not free just because it's not bad. And I'm going to link up to those past episodes in the show notes because I know I'm not going to cover everything that crosses your mind in today's episode. I know most of you will have additional questions. Chances are I've covered them on past podcast episodes. So you're like, but wait, what about go over to primalpotential.com, hit the podcast tab right at the top, and then go to the show notes for today's episode. And I will link to those past episodes. You'll probably see one, what about cholesterol? Or what fats should I eat and why? Those topics are covered in past podcast episodes. But today we are talking about things like cooking oils and trans fats that are best to be avoided. It came up on my Instagram feed the other day, and I wanted to weigh in on it because I know that if one person's like, hey, is that true? There are many other people thinking about it. So what happened was I posted a picture of the ingredient list 
of a soup that I got from Whole Foods. It was a chicken soup that was essentially just vegetables and chicken and broth. Look at that. And some spices. And somebody said, oh, I love this because there are no noodles and no canola oil. And somebody else said, is canola oil bad? So we are going to talk about that today. In one of my all-time favorite books on food and health, which is called Perfecting Paleo, I will link to it in the show notes, The foods are classified in terms of being either anti-inflammatory, meaning they reduce inflammation in the body, or moderately inflammatory, or egregiously inflammatory. So either they lower inflammation, sometimes they can trigger inflammation, or whoa, holy Toledo, these spark inflammation all over. And in this classification in the book, again, linked in the show notes, um, see, it's the it's the Americanos, guys. I'm going to be crazy today. Just warning you, be glad you don't live with me because I feel like I can see through the walls right now. But anyway, so in this book, canola oil and vegetable oils fall into the moderately inflammatory category and trans fats fall into the egregiously inflammatory or really, really inflammatory category. So we're going to focus on these. The reason that inflammation is like such an important characteristic and what happens when we eat things, what is the effect on inflammation is because inflammation is the starting point for basically all disease, all um, less than ideal states of health. So not just things like cancer or degenerative diseases, but also Metabolic inefficiencies, trouble burning fat, uh, trouble losing weight, a likelihood to store extra fat, all of these things are linked in one way or another to inflammation. The thing we need to keep in mind is that dietary fat can absolutely be your best friend in terms of both health and fat loss. It can also be your worst enemy. So we've got to really understand it. The right fats in the right amounts, and that is for you. There's no magic number of the right amount. The right fats in the right amounts for you can make you feel focused, energized, full, happy, literally happy. It can have an impact on your mood in a positive way. Plus, fat compared with the other macronutrients, carbs and protein, fat has the least impact on insulin which means that the right fats in the right amounts for you can help you control your blood sugar and therefore help you control your weight, your energy, your hunger, your cravings. The right fats in the right amounts for you can improve your hormonal balance, improve your fertility, and improve your ability to burn fat. But the wrong fats in any amount can really impair your microbiome, your bacterial balance, and therefore your immune system can damage your cell walls can damage your internal cellular machinery, impair your metabolism, so much more, right? The wrong fats can impair cognitive function. The list goes on and on. And if I were to generalize here, to simplify and create a big picture rule of thumb, we want to consume minimally processed, so as least processed as possible, minimally processed stable fats with shorter, smaller chemical structures instead of more processed, unstable fats with longer chemical structures. And don't worry if you're like, well, I don't know which ones have a longer chemical structure. That's why I'm here to help you. And there might be more singing than normal because Americanos after two days with no coffee. 
So what we want to keep in mind is that our cell membranes, all of our cell membranes, all the billions of cells in our body, probably trillions, and most of our brain, they're built by fat. And that fat doesn't just get miraculously placed in our body, miraculously or magically manufactured. No, our bodies are built and constantly rebuilt and repaired by what we eat. We are, when we eat, giving our body the raw materials that build us, all right? So when we consume processed, unstable fats, that's what our body uses to repair our brain, to repair our cells, to generate new cells. It's what our body uses to manufacture hormones and so much more. So when we have crappy materials being used for repair and maintenance, hello, we are not at an optimal state of health and we're setting ourselves up for impaired metabolism and for disease. What you eat is not just about your weight. It is about the raw materials you are giving to your body for maintenance and repair and regeneration. Unstable fats, when we consume them, means unstable cells. Unstable cells trigger inflammation, which again is the starting point for all disease and dysfunction in the body. Plus, on top of that, to make matters worse, damaged unstable fats, whether that's because of the way they are processed or because of the way we treat them, like if we cook them on high heat, they produce free radicals in the body. So we consume them, and that's just the starting point. Now we have unstable fats being incorporated into our cells, being incorporated into our brain. But on top of that, they are in and of themselves creating, emitting free radicals into our body. And I think sometimes we need a little bit of refresher. Like we hear free radicals and we're like, I know that's bad, but I'm not quite sure why. Think of free radicals as molecular thieves, right? Like robbers, health robbers. They travel through your body, stealing electrons from other otherwise stable molecules, leaving them unstable. And this changes or impairs or prevents that formerly stable molecule from being able to do its job because it was stable. Now it's not because this health thief, this free radical, stole from it. And these unstable fats, they create free radicals in our body. So this is really a domino effect. Yes, we eat these things. And we think the story begins and ends at, it's not good for my waistline. Oh, friend, that is merely the beginning, right? It's just the beginning. They're nutrient void. So largely, these unstable fats are delivering kind of empty calories where we could have had something that was nutrient dense, giving our body good things. We kind of gave our body like just crappy, empty material, right? That's going to be now the fabric of our brains, of our hormones, of our cells. These things are used to make hormones. So we're using unstable materials for hormones, for cells, right? to repair our brain. So you get the problem, right? It's kind of like if you fix your car with cheap materials instead of giving your car what it really needs for a proper repair, you're like duct taping things together or worse, what happens? It breaks down and or it creates more problems than what you originally had. Okay, so let's look at canola oil. Canola oil. Now, this was always in the cabinet when I was growing up. Widely used, I think that this was 
probably the predominant fat my parents cooked with for sure. And this is the way I thought about it until I really started educating myself about what my food is and where it comes from. I thought that canola oil was corn oil. So I thought, and I was wrong, I thought canola oil came from corn. And then I thought, well, corn is a vegetable and vegetables are healthy, so vegetable oils must be healthy. Canola oil does not come from corn. It comes from something called the rape seed, R-A-P-E, rape seed. Now, think about this for a second. And I want you to think about this, not just about rapeseed oil or canola oil, but about corn oil, because that is a thing, and also soybean oil. How easy is it to express oil from a corn kernel or a soybean? Like if you were to take it. Now, if you think about an olive, they're very, very oily. So you would think about that if you put it through a manual press in your own kitchen. Yeah, you're going to get oil out of it. But how much oil are you going to get from a soybean or from an ear of corn? Mm, Not much. Because of that, because it is hard to get oil from these things, the vegetables used in vegetable oil or crop oils as they're really more accurately called, solvents are needed to basically make this happen more easily because it's not easy to squeeze oil from a kernel of corn. Now, the solvents basically mean that in order to get oil from these crop oils, they have to be highly processed and modified. And the act of adding these solvents and putting these crops through this processing method, it creates instability. What was stable or more stable in its whole food form has now become highly processed and in that processing is now unstable. Not to mention the solvents used are chemicals that ideally should not be introduced into our body because these are the same chemical solvents used in cleaning products. Not kidding. More on that in a few minutes. So these crop oils, canola, soybean, corn oil, They are highly processed and unstable, and we don't want these unstable fats being incorporated into the fibers of our being. They're also rich in omega-6 fatty acids. I've done an episode on omegas, uh, omega-3s and omega-6s and and the balance and what they do, so I'm not going to go into that here, but I will link to that over in the show notes. Shortening it down to the biggest takeaway, omega-6 fatty acids in excess They not only trigger inflammation, the starting point of disease in the body, right? But they also, omega-6 fatty acids also reduce our sensitivity to the hormone insulin. When we are less sensitive to insulin, we are more likely to store fat and less likely to burn fat. So for that reason, among many, we really want to minimize or avoid these highly processed, unstable fats that are rich in omega-6 fatty acids. Now, the the um, counterpartner to the omega-6 are the omega-3s, which are anti-inflammatory, right? Saturated fats can also be anti-inflammatory. So these unstable fats, because they are highly processed, they are very, very fragile, right? They're sensitive and they are damaged when we heat them. 
And we rarely use these without heat. Sometimes we do in salad dressings, which is preferable to cooking with them, but they're already unstable because they are processed with these chemical agents, right? They're already rich in omega-6s, which are pro-inflammatory and reduce our sensitivity to insulin, but they are also easily damaged or oxidized and or go rancid when we heat them. A note about canola oil specifically. Compared to other seeds, because remember canola oil come uh, canola oil, canola oil comes from the rapeseed. When you compare the rapeseed to other seeds, the rapeseed is very low in vitamin E compared with other seeds. Now, this matters because vitamin E is needed in these fats so that it helps stabilize them and keep them solid, keep them from becoming increasingly unstable. But the rapeseed is staggeringly low in vitamin E compared to others, which means it is far less stable. On top of that, because of this unique uh, vitamin E situation in the rapeseed, it can make us more um have a higher need for vitamin E in our body and lead to general deficiencies in vitamin E. And we need vitamin E to protect us from that free radical damage. Vitamin E is an antioxidant. So vitamin E fights against those free radicals. Remember that these damaged fats, when we consume them, they kind of create free radicals in the body. Well, we need vitamin E to fight back against that free radical damage. And the rapeseed is not only low in vitamin E, but canola oil can increase our deficiency in vitamin E, removing our ability to protect ourselves from this free radical damage. Now, canola oil also does not have a safe smoke point, which means it doesn't tolerate heat well at all. Cooking with it makes it highly rancid and unstable, and the higher the heat, the more we damage it, okay? So, Ideally, don't heat it at all, but the more you heat it, the higher the temperature, the more unstable it becomes. And remember, this matters because it's being incorporated into our cells. It's being used to create hormones. It's being used to repair our brains. And we want the most stable fats possible, okay? Another thing to keep in mind when it comes to canola oil, you might be wondering, well, what if I buy it organic? Or what if I get expeller pressed as opposed to, you know, more of the chemical agents being used to to extract the oils? Well, those versions, so the organic canola, uh, the expeller pressed canola, they have higher levels of ALA. And this means that they are more sensitive to light and air. So on the one hand, you're super sensitive to heat. On the other, to light and air, you lose, ditch the canola. At a starting point, minimize it, okay? Something else to keep in mind about canola oil, it is a very effective pesticide. And I don't know about you, but I question anything being introduced to my body that is also a pesticide. All right, let's talk about soybean oil. Now, I've done a full episode on soy that is the primer for why I personally don't consume any soy products for any reason 
at any time. I'm not going to go into that today because I've already done a full episode on that and we would be here all day long, which I could totally have the stamina to do right now with the coffee effect that I'm experiencing. But I will link to that episode on soy. I'm not going to go into that. But a lot of people think soy is a really healthy thing. I disagree and listen to that episode to hear why. So people will think, oh, soybeans, soybean oil, real food, healthy. Just like canola oil, oil is extracted from soybeans using hexane solvents. Again, these are the same solvents used in chemical cleaning agents. Just to spell it out for you, we don't want those in our body. And just like canola oil is an effective pesticide, soybean oil is an effective insect. And effective, not an ineffective, just to be clear there. Coffee. Anyway, it is an insecticide, so it kills insects and bug repellent. So, like, do you want it in your body? Probably not, right? It's it's kind of empty calories. Like, it's not giving any value to your life. Now, I know a lot of people will be like, okay, so is olive oil okay? Olive oil can be a decent option. All right. It can be a decent option. It can also be a crappy one. Olive oil is one of the most adulterated foods. What that means is there are lots of fakes on the market. All right. When we look at extra virgin olive oils, olive oils on the market, most of them are diluted, cut with other lower quality oils like soybean and canola oil. So there was an interesting study done by uh, University of California Davis campus, and they found that, God, this just this makes me mad. I don't really get mad about it. I just get smart about it, but I just don't like that there are companies doing these kinds of things. 70% of canola oils that they test, uh, sorry, of olive oils that they tested were fake. Right. So they didn't pass the standard of, yes, this is actually olive oil. They were cut with other lower quality oils. So in order for an olive oil to be a good option, it has to be just olive oil, not cut with other less expensive olive oils so that it can sell more because it has a lower price point, because it has a lower quality. When we talk about olive oil, we are talking about crushed olives, not crushed olives and a blend of lower quality, less expensive oils. And even when we look at those like leading brands, Bertoli, uh, Filippo, Berrio, whatever, you know, you see them with all the Italian names, 73% failed to meet the standards of what olive oil is and should be. And there are a lot of uh, researchers out there that do their own testing on these to help with consumer protection. Even Spectrum Naturals, which a lot of people think, oh, Spectrum Naturals, it's organic, it's high quality, failed to meet standard. And I know that's super, super frustrating. And people think, even when I think I'm doing something good, I'm not. Stick with Whole Foods for your fat sources, right? Like, you know, when you're thinking about cooking, grass-fed butter. Or reserve the fat from when you cook off a high-quality piece of meat and cook with that. Or coconut oil, things that are pure, just one thing and not a blend of oils. And, you know, for most of us, honestly, like, let's get real. And uh, yes, there are some purists listening. I'm not one of you, but welcome. Um, Must be interesting to live your life. I couldn't do it myself. But for most of us, 
we've already identified in the first 20 or so minutes of this episode some improvements that we could make. Maybe it's just to stop using canola oil. Maybe it is to use more coconut oil or to focus more on fatty cuts of meat that we don't have to add oils to. Like that's one of the reasons I love chicken thighs or salmon because they naturally contain healthy, stable, non-processed fats. And so you don't have to necessarily add fat to them, right? So don't freak out about, oh my gosh, even when I try to do something good, I don't know what it really is. Identify what you know for sure would be an improvement for you and go for that. Now, one last thing about uh, olive oil. When you find a truly high quality olive oil, it's important to remember that it has a low smoke point, meaning it can't really stand up to high heat. So if you're going to use olive oil, it's best to limit that for things like um, salad dressings where you're not cooking it, you're not heating it. And if you are looking for fats with which to cook, stick with animal fat, coconut oil, lard, things like that. I want to wrap up by talking about trans fats. And I think we all sort of know from mainstream media that trans fats are really bad news, but I don't think we recognize just how bad they are. Trans fats are often referred to as plastic fats, which should be like huge red flag, no need for them now or ever. They're used widely to increase the shelf life of processed food products, right? I recently was, uh, I, I didn't hear the interview, but I saw a clip of an interview between James Altucher, who has a podcast, and Dave Asprey from the Bulletproof Executive, think Bulletproof Coffee. And uh, Dave Asprey said to James Altucher, if he was given the choice between consuming something with trans fats or smoking a cigarette, he would choose the cigarette because it's healthier. Now, I'm not suggesting that you go out and buy a pack of Marlboros. To me, that's like, when you die, would you rather be burned alive or buried alive? Um, neither. I'm going to go with neither forever, you know. So when it comes to trans fats and cigarettes, neither is very much an option for both of those. So I'm just going to suggest that. I'm not suggesting you go smoke instead of eating trans fats. What I want you to understand, trans fats are toxic. They are dangerous. You guys know I am not an alarmist. I am not a purist. But if there's anything I feel strongly about, trans fats and estrogens are like right up there at the top. And when I say estrogens, I mean estrogens in the environment, like in plastics and things like that, that we consume when we heat plastic things and then eat or drink out of them, et cetera, et cetera. So many people eat trans fats every single day and feed them to their kids every single day and think, well, if it's food, it can't be that bad. Yes, Yes, it can be. So trans fats are basically chemically altered fats where we add hydrogen into usually a liquid oil, like a vegetable oil, and we change the chemical structure, making a previously liquid fat a solid. We're basically putting hydrogen in it, which in and of itself doesn't sound so bad. There is a biochemist, a very well-known researcher in the field of food named Mary Enig, and she says, when one hydrogen atom is moved to the other side of a fatty acid molecule during hydrogenation, so when you're looking at labels, hydrogenation, that's, that's the word we're looking for is sort of the buzzword, 
She says the ability of living cells to make reactions at that site is compromised or altogether lost. And I know that kind of sounds like some scientific mumbo jumbo, but the bottom line is this. When we hydrogenate things, the cells lose their ability to function. Okay, and remember that when we consume these fats, they are incorporated into the fabric of our being, our brains, our hormones, every single cell in our body. And it loses its ability to act. So cells in our body, in order to be functional, must be able to react with other things to work, other cells, enzymes. And when we are incorporating these trans fats into the fabric of our being, they're essentially non-functional. And this triggers all sorts of cellular issues where we can damage the DNA of our cells, which is a starting point for things like cancer, and or we're just not able to function properly. Our metabolisms are impaired and on and on and on, all right? It takes a lot for science uh, for regulatory food agencies to ban anything that's that's already in the food supply. And the reason for that is that food manufacturers give so much money to our governing bodies. But many countries have outright banned trans fats. And the other countries have required that they be limited, that there are strict labeling regulations. And this the reason that that change happened is because research has convincingly linked trans fats to heart disease, to infertility, to cancer, inflammation, degenerative conditions of all times, of all kinds, weight gain, insulin resistance. And the reason that trans fats are linked to all of these things is because they impair cell metabolism. They disrupt health at the cellular level. Now, there are loopholes in the labeling laws where companies are allowed to claim and even advertise on the front packaging zero trans fats when there are at or below a half a gram per serving. Well, if we think about cookies for a second, And you think that maybe a serving is one cookie or two cookies. And it says no trans fats. But really what it means is that one cookie has half a gram. Well, when you have four cookies, you've now had two grams of trans fat when you thought you were having zero. So words we want to look out for. Remember I said hydrogenation is the process. So things like partially hydrogenated or hydrogenated, um, those kinds of things will let us know that there are trans fats in that thing. Now, any time that the government comes in and says, you either can't use this anymore, or you can only use it in these amounts, or you have to label it kind of like a warning, companies find workarounds. And so now there are trans fat-like substances being created Interesterified fats is what they are known as, okay? So this is sort of the workaround for the trans fat regulation that has happened over the last several years. Companies still want shelf-stable fats. They need them. How long have those cookies been sitting on the shelf, even though they have things like milk and butter, but you can still eat them after a year? How does that work? Food manufacturers need this technology, so they'll always find a workaround, which is why we want to stay away from those processed foods and really work over time. We don't need to outright cut anything out, but work over time to reduce them. Interesterified fats is is the workaround. We're combining unsaturated fat and saturated fat so that we have this shelf-stable 
artificial trans fat that's not technically a trans fat, but is not a naturally occurring fat either. It is a chemical combo, a Franken fat, if you will. And unfortunately, the research out there about these interesterified fats shows that they are even worse than trans fats. They do all the things that trans fats do. They mess up our cholesterol ratios, um, increasing LDL, decreasing HDL, triggering insulin resistance. But at the end of the day, it's not that hard to avoid them if we just work towards minimizing our consumption of processed foods and really relying on whole foods in their naturally occurring form. These trans fats, interesterified fats, are in things that you would say, I know that's not a whole food. I know that didn't just naturally occur. Margarine, shortening, pastries, muffins, bagels, cookies, cakes, frosting, chips, bread, um, any type of anything that's in a box or a bag or a can is likely to have, because think about it, it has to be shelf stable. If you can wonder, hmm, how come that doesn't go bad? Chances are there's some amount of trans fat or interesterified fat in there, okay? Now, there are some, this is where I'm going to like confuse people, don't get lost in the weeds, stick with me, we can do this together. There is an exception to whole foods containing trans fats, but it's a different kind of trans fat, okay? CLA is technically a trans fat found in whole foods like um, grass-fed beef or butter, but it is a different thing than these franken fats, chemically created, naturally unstable fats. CLA is much more stable, okay? So it doesn't work in the same way. So if you start Googling trans fats and you go, there's trans fats in butter and grass-fed beef, We're talking about CLA. It's different. No need to get lost in the weeds. It's different. In fact, whereas trans fats um, initiate disease and damage in the body, CLA actually decreases risk of those diseases in the body. So if you have questions about fats, please, 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 or soy, since I talked about soybean oil, please go over to primalpotential.com, click on the podcast tab, go to the show notes page for this episode and check out those episodes that I've done on cholesterol, on healthy fats, on how much fat you should eat, how much is too much, how to know, and listen to those episodes. Keep this rule of thumb in mind. Fats found in their natural form are best. If they're not in their natural form, if you can say it didn't grow this way, it's not naturally found this way, minimize it and eventually work towards avoiding it. Fats like avocado, fats in naturally occurring meats like salmon, like chicken thighs, grass-fed beef, um, macadamia nuts, coconut, all of those are really great, stable, safe fats. But as I said at the top of the show, just because they're stable and safe doesn't mean we can eat them in unlimited quantities. A lot of people will start eating a ketogenic diet and feel like butter is just okay for a free-for-all or um, cheese from grass-fed cows, grass-fed dairy is a free-for-all. No, nothing is a free-for-all for health or for fat loss. Everything in moderation, including moderation. All right, so if you have questions, definitely head over to the show notes and keep in mind 
whole is best and its natural form is what we should work towards. We don't need to be crazy zealots about this. We just need to start making gradual improvements. Have a great day, guys, and I'll talk to you soon. I'm headed to the gym to take advantage of this crazy energy I have. And you know, this might actually be talking me into going a few days a month without coffee. I can't even believe those words are passing my lips. Maybe when I come down off this coffee high, I'll rethink that. But like just to give my body a break from it and to experience this wonderful euphoria that is the reintroduction of caffeine. Anyway, love you guys. Hope you have a great day. Chat with you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there.